It's 12.07. It is Election Day. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. We will be talking about specific races in the 2 o'clock hour of this program. As I mentioned, Steve Scafidi off the air. These are always, and I've done lots of Election Day coverage, it's always... It's always kind of odd because you're just you're treading water because up for the last several, you know, months, you know, you've had all the pundits that have been making all the different predictions. You've seen or heard all the ads. You've read the stories. And and now now everybody kind of sits back and they see how this all plays out. Will the pollsters be right? Will the pollsters be wrong? We will know the answer definitively tomorrow. But. We have one more day to speculate, and we will do that. Again, we'll be talking about specific voting and races and things like that in the 2 o'clock hour of the program. Over the course of time, I've sort of given my predictions. I will repeat those, and we'll interact and talk about a variety of races. But the bottom line is, polls are open till 8 o'clock this evening. If you have not either early voted or voted in person, Get out and and do it. Uh, The anecdotal reports suggest the turnout is extremely heavy. You know, I've I've said this before. There's all this talk about, gee, you have all this early voting and early voting is up. And that means that there's going to, you know, automatically be a a huge increase in turnout. Well, I, I hope turnout is up. I think it's good for people to vote. I don't necessarily believe that there is a correlation. I know lots and lots of people in my life who vote early. They vote now. I I, I didn't. I voted this morning. My wife and I got up. We went to our polling place because I I just, as I've said before, I like the whole process of going in and standing in line with your fellow citizens and casting the vote. I think it's, it's just kind of a cool exercise in democracy. But at the same time, I know lots and lots of people who early voted, but they early voted as a matter of convenience. And if they hadn't early voted, they would have done exactly what I did today, which is go out and vote at the polls themselves. So at the end of the day, the fact that you have early voting, I don't know that that's going to make a terrible amount of difference because I think, you know, people are either going to vote or they're not going to vote. And that's historically been the case. We'll see how all that plays out. But like I said, it's like I say, we'll be talking a lot about that in specific races in the two o'clock hour of the program today. I, I do I want to start off, though with something that is controversial, I guess, when it comes to voting. Now, as I mentioned earlier, I um I for for years and years and years, when I lived in Whitefish Bay, I lived right around the corner from City Hall, and so that's where that, that's where I always voted. Went down to City Hall, it was in the basement, no no question. Where I live now, my polling place is a church. So and it, it's not a walkable church. We we ended up, you know, getting in the car and driving. It was a couple miles from where we live. No, no problem at all. And I didn't have a problem with this. But I, I kept thinking, wow, where are the humanists? Where are the people we talked about this yesterday who are trying to have a, a World War One cross that is a memorial to fallen soldiers? They're trying to have this removed despite the fact that it's been, you know, in place for almost a hundred years because they're offended by the cross. I keep wondering where where are the humanists when it comes to people voting in churches? Now for me, I don't have a problem. By the way, I don't have a problem with voting in a mosque or a synagogue or whatever. I mean, to me, it's like ease of parking and ease and ability to get in and out of the place. I, I, I'm all about convenience, so I don't have an issue with that. But we allow voting in churches, despite the fact that some people don't like it. One of the other things that we do and have done historically is we use schools, public schools, to vote. Now, why do we use public schools to vote? Well, number one, because they are convenient. It, you know, it's 
if you're looking for a place that's convenient to people, probably has parking and things like that, a school is is a great thing. Not all, but many, many schools are, in contrast to private buildings, they're um, disabled accessible. They've got areas where you can set up the gym, you can set up the cafeteria or whatever. You have areas where people can vote. And historically, that's been where a lot of people did vote. I grew up in Glendale, Wisconsin, and when when I was a kid, the, the local elementary school, the elementary school that I went to, was the place where people went to vote. Over the last few years, some people have become more and more upset about using schools as a place to vote. For example, in the People's Republic of Wauwatosa, and yes, Wauwatosa on a number of issues is now going the way of Shorewood and then the People's Republic of Madison, um, Wauwatosa does not offer schools as a place to vote. And as a result of that, the number of, of voting places in Wauwatosa has been reduced. Why don't Wauwatosa use schools to vote? Well, some people don't like the when they use schools to vote, they had police officers that would be stationed in the schools. Some people felt uncomfortable that there were police officers in, in the schools. Other people felt that, gee, using the schools to vote provided a, a safety concern because, I don't know, maybe somebody that was going to come in to vote was then going to, I don't know, go off and do a school shooting or something like that. So that was the concern. In the city of Milwaukee, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it is my understanding that they use the schools to vote, but that MPS is closed today. At least that's my that's my understanding, that it's closed on Election Day. Greendale and Elmbrook also cancel classes on Election Day. Wauwatosa, Oak Creek, Kenosha have moved their polling places out of schools, and there's other communities that are considering this. All right. I want to open up the phone lines. Our numbers are 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Feel free to disagree with me, but I think it is absolutely absurd to, number one, close schools on Election Day if you're using the school as, as a voting place. Number two, I think it is even more absurd to say that we're not going to use schools as polling places. Matter of fact, I think, and again, I'd like harken back to when I was a kid. I, I think if you want to teach kids about civic responsibility and things of the like, having, having the school be the place where people are going to come and they're going to vote, I, I think that shows how cool this is. As far as the idea of security, gee, you might some have some crazy person that walks into the polling place. My guess is, on a day with a polling place, with all those people around, the schools are probably a lot safer than they would be on an average day if you had some psychopath. 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Should we continue to use schools as polling places? Is it necessary to close down the schools on Election Day? My answer would be, yeah, I, I think schools should continue to be used as polling places. And I don't think there's anything wrong with the kids being there. As a matter of fact, I think it's a good exercise in teaching young people about democracy. 414-799-1620. We discuss in just a minute. If you're on the line, please hold on. 1215, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. And by the way, 
Forgot to start off the show by mentioning this, but like we do with every first couple segments of the program, we are live streaming facebook.com slash 620 WTMJ. Check that out. Back with your calls in just a moment. 1215 Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1218 Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It used to be public schools were a regular source, a location that were regularly used for voting because they're convenient to areas. They're easy to get in and out of. In some communities, Wauwatosa being one, there are others. Schools are no longer allowed to be used as polling places. In other communities, I think Milwaukee would be one. MPS, for example, and I could be wrong, but I don't think I am. Um, they, they close the schools. They close the schools today. Um, so the kids aren't in school so they can use the schools as polling places. But the concern is, gee, we don't want we don't want voters being able to go into the schools because of security concerns. In Wauwatosa, some people were apparently concerned that they had police officers in the schools and some of the voters were uncomfortable. As a side note, what the hell is going on in Wauwatosa nowadays? But I, I let, let's discuss it. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. When I was when I was a kid. We voted at my elementary school. All right. I thought that was a cool exhibit in, and again, democracy. You see people coming in and voting. Let's start with Debbie in Menominee Falls. Hi, Debbie. Hi. Thanks for taking my call, and you've stolen every line of mine. <laughs> oh, sorry. Well, okay. Was, Great minds think alike. Go ahead. <laughs> when I was growing up, we had it in our middle school and in our grade school, and we would have the class, quote-unquote, field trip to the gym to watch the voting process. And I remember, still remember, you had to be quiet because this was very important. Mm -hmm. And everybody was had to think about what they were doing. Right. And another thing, and now I, they built a new building in Sussex. So they, uh, community, not community, but a city hall, so they can could move all the polls there. Right. But the other thing, you brought it up, I think it was you that brought it up, uh, about a week ago, about how the kids, people, young people aren't voting anymore. Right, right. Because they don't care about it. Because they weren't allowed shown mm-hmm. this when they were growing up. They didn't know what was going on. They never grew up with it. And I think that might be part of the problem. Well, you know, it's interesting. I mean, thanks for calling, Debbie. You know, it's interesting because just like the, the point, you're right. I was talking about that about a week ago with young people. One of the things is, just like with seatbelt usage, if they do studies, they find, you know what the what the, the primary decider as to whether people wear seatbelts or not? And it's whether they grew up with mom and dad wearing seatbelts. That, that's the primary decider. There's other factors as well. I think voting is a, the same way. If I mean, I grew up where voting was just part of the lifeblood of my family. I mean, I've told this story before. My dad would come home from work. He'd get my mom. We'd pack up my brother and I. They'd go up to the... Um, the elementary school was Green Tree Elementary School on um, on Port Washington Road in Glendale. They'd vote, and then we'd go out to dinner or something. But it, it was part of that overall process. But, I mean, I, I think, again, I think having the kids in school recognizing, hey, today is the day polling. What is this all about? What a teachable moment. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Tom and Racine. Tom, good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. How you doing? Real well, thank you, sir. What do you think? Well, I, I'm delivering lunches to poll workers in Racine, and um, I voted already this morning. I've been to community centers, churches, schools, very smooth, a lot of parking. Uh, the, I see the kids kind of observing things, and it's going really, really good, and I think it's – I love your point. One of the things I observed here in Racine today, though, is that there's uh, signs outside of polling places, and I thought we weren't supposed to be pushing political 
propaganda outside polling places. Well, there's rules as to how close the signs can be and things like that. But your point is you're, you're going, you're, you're delivering lunches and food, and you're going into schools, and they're voting, and, and the schools are in session, and there's no problem. Nobody's, nobody's afraid that some mass gunman is going to come in. Everything is under control. No. Teachers are in control. The kids yeah. are in line, nice and quiet, like you said, observing people going into gymnasiums. and Yeah. Yeah, very smooth. Right. Now, thanks. And, and see, and that's now look, and I, I mean, I'm not arguing that just because a, a school is in session and it's a polling place, that that means that that somebody who comes in to vote automatically gets to wander around through the school. But that's that, that's not going to be the case. I mean, the way these are mostly set up is they bring you through a certain door and, you know, areas are blocked off and you go into the gymnasium or you go into, you know, the cafeteria or whatever and, and you use it. And, and I'm not saying schools have to be the polling places, but don't we want these things? Don't we want to make it as easy as possible to vote and don't we want it to be as convenient as possible and this idea that well gee we're we're alarmed that there might be a police officer that, that's stationed there oh my goodness how terrible would that be i mean really 414-799-1620 karen in milwaukee karen you're on wtmj thank you for taking my call hi karen um i very rarely disagree with you but but in this but, but but okay all right go ahead <laughs> Um, number one, if you're talking about convenience, if school is out of session, not only do you not have students in a high school setting, not parking, so the parking lot's available, the teachers also don't have to park, so that's available. But moreover for me is a safety factor in that, you know, I don't think that a school shooter who wants to hurt people isn't going to wait for election day. They're going to do it when they want to do it. My issue is I used to vote, um, if I can say it, but on the south side of Milwaukee in Clement Avenue School. And I walked in a very nice poll lady. I said, hey, excuse me, I have to use the ladies' room. Oh, it's just down the hallway on the right. And I wondered, it was the kids' bathroom. Now, I'm not a weirdo who's going to jump on a little child, but I don't know that my neighbor four houses down isn't a predator. We're letting, if I walked in on a regular Tuesday, people would take notice and 16 teachers are going to come out and look at me. On a polling day, if a man wanders into a little kid's bathroom and it says, oh, the poll worker told me this is it, People might not take notice of that, and that's my concern. So if they're going to open up the schools, I have no problem with them being closed. Whether we learned it in school or not, my parents instilled in me how important and what a huge, tremendous privilege it is to vote. That's why I vote, not because I saw it when I was a kid in school. Okay, Carrie, now I'm not going to pick on you because we we agree on most stuff. But (laughs) don't don't, think back what you said at the beginning. Doesn't that sound a little bit paranoid to you that, that, well— there, there is a there's a chance that somebody might walk in and it might be some creepy guy who's going to meander his way to the, the bathroom and, and hang out there. I mean, you, you've got you've got all these people that are around um, in, in some places. You, you've got, you know, uniformed police officers that aren't going to be there otherwise. I mean, how likely does that really strike you as being? Well, I might be a little more paranoid than most. I am a police officer. Okay. <laughs> so that may raise my ire a little more than others. I just, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of hardening a target and right. not letting people into school. There's no reason for you to be in that school when kids are, in, are there. Mm-hmm. It's a school. It's a learning environment. Now, if you want to use it for another public reason, then it should be done when the kids aren't there. And maybe it would be different if it was strictly a high school where you have kids that are mm-hmm. old enough to say, Hey, this guy is weird, or this woman is doing something out of the ordinary. You see, I, I see. I would argue that your chances of of if the concern is there's going to be some creepy guy in a bathroom, 
the chances are much greater that you're going to find that, I don't know, at, at the local, you know, kids' pizza place or movie theater or I, I'm <laughs> – I'm thinking of all these places, and I don't want to say the names because, you no, know, then, I, under, I understand you know, your point. Right. And it's a, it is a valid point. But, I mean, if you're going to talk convenience, the parking lots are open. And how often when something bad happens in a school, our first thing is, why aren't these doors locked? Right. Why are we letting people in? Well, now we're actively saying, please, please, do your right. civic duty and come in this school. Okay, you fair. can't have it both ways. Okay, thanks for call, Karen. Fair, fair enough. I, I always invite people who intelligently disagree with my point. Now, I, again, I, I just think I, I understand that the concern is worst case scenario. You've opened up the school. Maybe there's some creepy pervert wearing the raincoat that comes in. Nobody notices him. He goes out and he hangs out in, in the bathroom and waits and does something. Is there the possibility of that? Well, yeah, but again, I would argue that the chances of that happening are a lot greater in all sorts of other places, as opposed to a school being used as a polling place where you've got all the poll workers, you've got cops, you've got the volunteers, you've got the watchers, and you've got all the people. Brenda in Milwaukee. Brenda, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Hi, Brenda. Um, I agree with you. It, it is a teachable moment. I used to be a, a paraprofessional for Milwaukee Public Schools, and our school, Burbank, had only one door designated for voting with a sign, and you go in and out the same door. Right. And it was a teachable moment, and I believe those kids should be in school today. But another thing I want to bring up, that the poll workers, most of them were elderly, retired, but they would stay and have hot lunch, and I thought that was so cool. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right, and, and you get a chance to... You get a chance to interact with them. That That's right. the... And I, and I understand that that might not be the sole thing that, that makes you vote. But I, I can think back. I mean, I just have these vivid memories of uh-huh. of being in elementary school and people coming in on election days, and I just thought that was so very cool. Now, thanks for the call. And I, look, and I also understand that we live in a, a different world nowadays, but I, I think sometimes you can overreact, and sometimes you, you can be overly paranoid. And I, I guess if the concern is that you're going to have creepy people that are coming into the schools – I, I like I say I would much be much more concerned about those creepy people hanging out, you know, in the bathroom at a movie theater than I would be at a public school on voting day. In any event, where are the humanists on people voting in churches? I'm just I'm, wait, I'm waiting for that lawsuit to come out as well. Twelve twenty eight, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Twelve thirty eight, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. The Bucks are the hottest team in the league. Winners of eight of their first nine games. Now they head west to face off against some of the NBA's best. Ted Davis is on the call for game one of the road trip against the Portland Trailblazers. Our coverage starts at 8.30 this evening. Be sure to check that out. A lot of stuff going on. Okay, um, if, if you are a regular listener to this program, you know that the nature of the show that I do is a, a commentary on, on events. And, and this isn't a show that talks exclusively about politics. We talk about things that that are going on that I find to be interesting. Sometimes we talk about sports. Um, Occasionally we talk about politics, but it's not three hours of politics every day. But when there's a big election coming up, the show tends to skew a little bit more towards political discussions. And then, again, it depends on what's going on in a given day. One of the things about doing what I do for a living is I I let you know where I stand. I, I don't think... Anybody who has been a regular listener to this program or actually who listens to me do a political segment that lasts more than five or ten minutes, I don't think you have any doubt as to you know who it was or how I voted when I went out and voted this morning. Having said that, I still make a, a, a few decisions. For example, I don't, I don't 
headline political fundraisers. Uh, I don't MC political fundraisers, even for candidates that I support. I don't I don't attend political fundraisers, certainly not as as a guest, just because well, it's just 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 because because what I want to do is I want to be able to commentate on the candidates and on on the races. And if I do give money, for example, to a candidate, I I will tell you that the last last candidate that I made a donation to was um, State Representative Jim Ott. The first time he ran for office years and years and years ago. And that was because we were very close friends and you know, he worked at Channel 4 as a meteorologist and had sought my advice out as to whether he should run or things like that. And, and I, I did. I, I wrote him a check. And then every time I talked about the race, uh, I, I said, OK, and by the way, I've I've written him a check. And so I, I mean, I gave full disclosure. But I, I so that's one of the reasons I just don't do that, even though, you know, my who I support and stuff, that's that's not a surprise to anybody. Well, something interesting happened last night, and I, I want to get your reaction to it. There is a very, very tight U.S. Senate race in Missouri. Claire McCaskill is the Democratic incumbent, and she's in a lot of trouble. Missouri is a state that has been going more and more Republican as time has gone on. She's um, running neck and neck, depending on what poll you look at, with the attorney general of the state who's running uh, against her. It's this is going to be a toss up, going to be a toss up race. So last night in Missouri, President Trump has one of his one of his rallies. Ostensibly, it was to support the Republican candidate. But uh, again, whenever it's a rally with President Trump, he kind of sucks all the oxygen out of the out of the air. It's kind of like a Trump rally. Well, what happened was he was introduced by radio commentator Rush Limbaugh. Sean Hannity, of course, from Fox News, Sean Hannity was there. Now, before the rally, Sean Hannity had said, look, I'm not going to be campaigning with the president. I'm going to be doing a live show from this rally. I'm going to be interviewing the president before the rally. But I, I'm not going to be on stage campaigning with the president. I am covering the rally for my show, something I have done in every election in the past. Drawing a clear distinction. Yeah, I mean, it's no secret who, for example, Hannity supports. But he says, look, I'm going to be there and we're going to be covering this and the show's going to be done from there. But I'm not going to be on stage campaigning with him. Well, that all lasted just a, a couple minutes because apparently, you know, what, what happened is President Trump says, Sean Hannity, get up here. And then Hannity jumps on stage and he does a few minutes campaigning for the president. This has journalists' heads absolutely exploding. And CNN is pointing out, well, Hannity was campaigning. You've got the folks on MSNBC who are, you know, going nuts about this, saying, okay, this guy's supposedly supposed to be covering these races, and and there he is, and he's on stage, and, and he's campaigning as if this is somehow crossing a line. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. No, we, we definitely live in, in different times. I mean, you know, Rachel Maddow, for example, on the left, pretty much everybody at MSNBC, it, it's very clear, you know, where they stand. So from the perspective of people who are, whether they're on Fox News or MSNBC or whatever, do you think it's wrong for them to appear, for example, at a rally supporting the candidate of their choice? 
And again, whether it's Rachel Maddow or whether it's, you know, Sean Hannity or whether it's any one of a number of the other talking heads, it's no secret, you know, where they come down on. Their shows are, in the case of, for example, MSNBC, the shows are, you know, all about, you know, an hour, two, three hours of Trump bashing. The other side gets presented on Fox News. Is is there something wrong with these candidates taking the stage? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. 1244, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1248, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. In the 2 o'clock hour of the program, we're going to circle back to this election in Wisconsin, talking about what you're seeing at the polls and different races. So that's coming up in the 2 o'clock hour in about 15 minutes. Fascinating story involving a 64-year-old teacher who... Through a punch, matter of fact, through several punches at a 14-year-old student, got arrested, and now the teacher is getting tens of thousands of donations for his defense fund. What's going on? Well, it's a little more complicated than it might sound. We'll talk about that as well. Right now, controversy in the national media. Last night, President Trump has a big rally in Missouri. That's the site of a contested Senate race. And uh, Sean Hannity, the Fox News commentator, show host, he... After saying, hey, look, I'm going to be there, we'll be interviewing the president before the rally, but I'm not campaigning for him. Well, he ends up getting invited up on stage and then does, I think, honestly, campaign for the president. People are all upset about this. Did he cross a line? 414-799-1620. Let's start with Rich in Waukesha. Hi, Rich. Good morning. What do you think? Um, I, I'm frankly, I think it's good that, that Sean Hannity actually just finally revealed himself. But you say, fine, I'm, I'll let you make your book, finally revealed himself? You know, Is there any well, secret? You know, completely I mean, revealed himself. Okay. I mean, took off the mask. Okay. That, you know, his, if you look him up, um, he, is, he, he dropped out of junior college to become a shock jock on the radio. Okay? He is an entertainer. He's mm-hmm. a talking head. He has no background in journalism at all. Mm-hmm. Um, he, of course, he's a surrogate of... Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. He is. That's what, but it makes Fox News overall look their credibility uh, as being quote unquote uh, balanced. Um, you know, it shoots a hole through all the credibility for that. How does what he did differentiate himself from, say, any one of the, the other the commentators or, or or newspaper columnists who write columns of personal opinion and bash the president regularly. Okay, so that's the difference. Okay, that's the difference. He, I mean, this is where you know if he'd have had his show and he would have hosted Donald Trump and then he would have hosted you know opposition to a yeah. you know in the election he would have hosted Hillary Clinton then you're talking about somebody that's on the up and up, or it's at least on a show. Okay. He's going up on stage, removes, removes all the guys, you know, that, that he's independent at all, or he's even a journalist. Well, well, thanks. I guess I, I I always wrestle with the definition. What what is a, what is an, is a journalist different than an opinion journalist or, or whatever? I mean, I, and, and I guess removing the mask, I don't think there's any secret about Sean Hannity. And I mean, to me, you know, Sean Hannity is the same on the right as Rachel Maddow is on the left and all a number of of these other people. I mean, I guess I always wrestle with the idea of of what makes somebody a a journalist. Me, I'm a recovering lawyer who does a talk show. But but this idea that 
right? If you have an opinion columnist for for a newspaper that writes the column of opinion and, you know, three times a week the column comes out and it's a it's a Trump bashing sort of thing. Does that mean that you're because you've got this point of view and you're advocating this and you're advocating the resistance or, or whatever you are? Does that mean that you're not a journalist because you're taking those positions? What about somebody from, for example, CNN, who, you know, clearly you can tell by the nature of their commentary, by the nature of the questions that they just loathe the president? I mean, I, I've said this about the New York Times. You I, look, I, I get it. You've got all these reporters that just clearly loathe President Trump. OK, so they're. You know, the the stories that they they write aren't balanced. The stories they write are Trump is lousy. Trump is terrible. It, does that make them not journalists? Um, where, where Hannity, in my mind, got in trouble yesterday to the extent that it's trouble is he says he wasn't going to go up on stage and then he ends up getting on stage. I, I think in many respects, if you're going to do that, j- just own it. You know, I, yes, I am a supporter. Of, come out. I'm a supporter of President Trump. He's on the program regularly and I'm going to be at this rally. If, if you're going to do it, I, and I don't think anybody would all radically say, OK, well, suddenly, oh, Gee, I can't believe it. Sean Hannity supports, you know, Donald Trump. I, I think you you own it. I mean, it's where he got in trouble. I think is saying that, hey, I I wasn't I wasn't planning on appearing, and then you end up on stage. But is it a big deal one way or the other? I'm, I'm having trouble seeing that. It's no surprise. Bob in Greenfield. Bob, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey Jeff. I, I suppose um, the criticism is probably about uh, maybe a moral thing that a moral clause he's supposed to honor, but he has no moral clause. There's nothing in his right. contract. He can't do that. It's, there's nothing. It's not like a law or anything. Right. And uh, I think I read his ratings are very good. More yeah. than CNN and right. uh, MSNBC together. So, I mean, everybody knows what he's doing and you know, he might've got carried away or, Maybe he didn't get carried away, but it's, it's really no news. I mean, right. And, and it's not going to cost him one listener or one viewer that he's doing that. I mean, it, it's not a surprise. Oh, gee, Sean Hannity supports President Trump any more than it would be a surprise if, oh, gee, Rachel Maddow, you know, she she's anti-Trump. You know, she's going to support whoever it is that ends up running against him. Th- these aren't these aren't revelations. It's what it's what passes nowadays with political pundits. It, it's just kind of silly, really. Um, right. Um, thanks for call. Again, I think, I, I think to the extent it is a controversy, Hannity gets himself in trouble again by simply saying, "I'm not going to be up on stage," and then you end up jumping up on stage. I, I, I think you know he's a. As far as I'm concerned, he's a political commentator. People, people get to argue about you know, are you a journalist or or not? Is Rachel Maddow a journalist? Is Sean Hannity a journalist? Are they entertainers? Are they some cross in between? Um, you know, uh, you leave it for people to decide that one way or the other. But, you know, the fact that he decided to get up on stage shouldn't have been a surprise to anybody. 1254, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 108, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. As we have been reminding you all day, it is Election Day. We'll be talking about the state elections, local elections coming up in the 2 o'clock hour. Uh, Before that, interesting story. It it happened on Friday, and I've been waiting to get your impressions of this. Maywood Academy High School. 
in Los Angeles is an alternative high school um, in in L.A. It um, so students have to uh, apply there. They specialize in the arts, for example. That, that's one of the things that they do. So, okay, Friday afternoon, there, there's a music team. And by the way, they have uniforms. Let's wear uniforms. So Friday afternoon in, in class, there's a, a teacher. His name is Marston Riley. He's a music teacher. He's been teaching there for a, a long time. And he is extremely well-respected among the staff and among the students. He's one of those guys who, again, he's 64 years old, been teaching for a long time. He has a good relationship with him. In what appears to me to have perhaps been a setup by various students, because everybody has their cell phones act out and they're recording it, you have a 14-year-old kid who's not wearing the appropriate uniform. And so the teacher tells him, you, you've got to leave. You, you've, you've got to leave. You're not dressed appropriately for class. Uh, the teacher, by the way, is black. The student is black. So there's not a racial element to this. So what happens is the, the teacher, you got the kid who's not dressed properly. The teacher tells him, you've got to leave. What happens is the, the kid leaves and then immediately comes back, stands in front of the classroom and next to the teacher and starts screaming at him. So this is the kid, the 14-year-old. He is swearing at the teacher repeatedly, and the teacher's just standing there. He's trying to run the class. you got this kid that's standing there. He's swearing at him repeatedly. The kid has a basketball. Has a basketball. He throws the basketball at the teacher, all right? So he throws the basketball at the teacher. He is swearing at the teacher, and then he starts the kid, the 14-year-old, repeatedly using the N-word, various racial slurs, directed at the teacher. Now, one of the reasons I say that this might have been sort of like a setup on the part of some of the students is everybody's got their cell phones out. People are, are videotaping this. The kid is saying, what's up, bro? Um, why are you wisecracking my, and then he uses the N-word, but he's repeatedly using the N-word addressing the 64-year-old music teacher. He's refusing to, to leave, and he's standing there, and he's disrupting, and it goes on and, and on. The teacher begins to walk away as the kid, again, is now taken over the classroom. The kid standing in front of the classroom continues to insult insult the teacher. Um, the teacher is now kind of walking away. And again, there's the repeated use of the N-word from the student who is black directed uh, to the 64-year-old teacher who is also black. The teacher, multiple occasions, tells the student, You've got to leave the room. You've got to leave. Enough of this. You have to leave. The kid doesn't, and the kid continues to swear at the teacher and to, uh, again, use the racial slurs. At that point in time, and you can see this on the videotape, the, the teacher hauls off and takes a swing at the kid. And then then it's on. The, the two are trading punches as other students are scrambling around them. Um, the, the, the teacher does clearly hit the student on, on multiple occasions. The student is kind of fighting back. So you have this kind of one-on-one -on -one confrontation. Ultimately, what happens is, is a woman, um, wearing the security vest. I think she's like campus staff comes running in and, and they grab the, the kid and they pull him off. 
The student was taken to the hospital where he was treated for moderate injuries and released. The teacher has been arrested. Um, he's apparently scheduled to be, um, they're looking at charges against him at the end of the month, including a, assault on a child and things like that. He's been released after posting $50,000 bail. What becomes interesting about this is that since this was made public, one of his former co-workers has started a, a GoFundMe campaign, and at least as of yesterday, this GoFundMe campaign, which is going to be like a defense fund for this guy, it's already got $65,000 in it. So people are, are standing up and they're writing checks supporting him. Since this story has gone public, you've got several parents who are outraged that the school would allow something like this to happen. The fact that he's hitting a child, it's not right, he should be fired, etc. Other people are standing by the teacher saying that, look, this teacher is a good teacher, um, that, you know, the problem here is that you had this out of control child and the fact that, you know, nobody should, should swing, but the kid clearly provoked the teacher. All right. We want to open up the phone line. Our number 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Perhaps you, you have seen the video of this, but I think I give a fair description. On the one hand, you have the 64 year old teacher who threw the first punch. No question about it. On the other hand, you have a situation where you have this kid who was clearly out of control, was refusing instructions in the classroom, was cursing at the teacher, had no intention of leaving, and was, again, using racial slurs directed at the teacher. Under all these circumstances, should the teacher be fired? Should the teacher be charged criminally? Or is this one where there's extenuating circumstances and maybe... We need to focus on who the real bad guy here was, and maybe that's the 14-year-old. What should happen to the teacher? 414-799-1620. We discuss in just a minute. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 115. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 117. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. All right, there's this teacher in California. He's a music teacher, 64 years old. He's in the classroom. He tells this kid he's got to leave because the kid's not dressed appropriately, doesn't have a uniform on. The kid ultimately refuses to leave, stands in front of the classroom, starts cursing repeatedly and for a prolonged period of time at the teacher, including using racial slurs. Both people are black in this particular case. The kid throws a basketball at one point at the teacher, refuses to leave. The teacher walks away, but after being called the N-word for about the fourth or the fifth time, the teacher comes back and, and takes a swing at the kid. And then it's on. The two of them are kind of wrestling around. The teacher has now been charged with a crime. Huh. 414-799-1620. Let's start with Tony in Milwaukee. Tony, good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Tony. Jeff, I would have given that teacher a medal and a raise. This kid was not a child. He was there just to be disruptive. And to me, it also looks like a money grab. You know, if the teacher hits back, he's, they're going to sue. He's going to get money. That's what it looked like to me. I saw the video, too. Right. I would have knocked that kid out. Well, should I mean, the argument would be it's never appropriate for an adult, a teacher, to lay hands on a kid. The teacher should have just walked away, left the classroom, called people to come, eject them. He, well, he shouldn't so, have. But he took it. The kids went way too far. Yep. I mean, the, the teacher did ask him to leave a few times. Yep. And when he threw that ball at him, I would have exploded on him, too. Got you it. know, the teacher shouldn't be charged with anything. Got it. But, you know, kids like that are just a disruptive. 
And also, like I said, that looks like a money grab to me. Well, I think so. I mean, I do wonder, and this is the cynic in me, I wonder if this was planned, not planned on the part of the teacher, but everybody's got their cell phones out. Everybody's videotaping this. I, I kind of wonder whether this was something that some people might have known was going to happen. 414-799-1620. All right. I think if I just would say this, do you think it's ever appropriate for a teacher to hit a student? I think everybody would say, well, it, it's not. But are is there an asterisk? Is there an exception to this? And is this that exception? Ryan in Oconomowoc. Ryan, you're on WTMJ. Thank you. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Um, you, did, you did see the video, right? Yes, sir. And you're, you're characterizing it as at the end they were wrestling around? Well, the teacher um, threw a punch, I, yeah. The teacher threw a punch, and the teacher finished throwing punches when the right. kid was on the ground. Um, if you watch the video all the way through, the teacher is on top of the student throwing punches down onto yep. the student. So the video I saw was a guy who obviously had reached his breaking point and from all other accounts was a really good teacher, which from what other people have said. So a really good teacher when faced with this would, you know, probably should call the resource officer in, right. uh, remove himself and maybe the other students from the situation. Right. Um, at no point should he turn around and start swinging at the student and then continue swinging at the student, get the guy on the ground, and then basically, you know, that's, um, that's called pounding someone down. Mm-hmm. That's what he did. Would you fire um, the teacher? So no. Well, yeah, completely. Okay. And also, like, but I also say, like, the GoFundMe page, that's fine. I mean, if people see that and say, you know, this is mm-hmm. what we want to put our money towards, because he's going to have a lot of legal fees. Right. Um, I mean, that's what that stuff is Would you for. charge him criminally? You'd fire him. Would you also charge him criminally with assault? Yeah, I mean, based on that video, yes, because he, he did throw the first punch. He did. Um, you know, the kid did throw a ball, but then there's a good 15 seconds or so where the teacher does walk away, has time to think about it, and right. then decides, you know, there it's, it's, a, it's a long video. Actually. Oh, right, no, and while the teacher walks away, the kid continues to throw the racial slurs and the curse at him and right. stuff like that. But, yeah, th- th- thanks to know, there's, there's no question, you're right, <clears throat> there's a gap of... 10, 15 seconds or whatever between he threw the ball at him, the kid continues to verbally abuse the teacher. I guess, look, I, I look at it like this. Do I do I think the teacher handled this in the best way possible? And the answer is no. I, I agree with you, Ryan. He should have walked away. All right? You, you can't allow yourself to be drawn in by these out-of-control punks and thugs. At the end of the day, it's a 14-year-old. But it is a 14-year-old going on a 34-year-old. That going on, The kid's 14 going on 34. Who... What kind of person, even at the age of 14, takes over a classroom, stands there and uses the N-word and curses at, at a teacher repeatedly? I mean, what what type of person that has so little respect for authority? Now, could the teacher have handled it in a better way? Yes. And I, I think you're exactly right. Get a resource officer in, what, whatever, because I don't think it's appropriate to lay hands on students. But at the same time, even if I acknowledge that I think it was inappropriate for what he did, that doesn't necessarily mean that under the circumstances, I think he needs to be fired or alternatively that, that he certainly needs to be criminally charged. I'll tell you this. I, I mean, I guess I don't know that much about L.A. juries, but I would be stunned if under these circumstances, given the verbal abuse, you were able, if you charged him, you'd be, you would be able to find 12 people that agreed beyond a reasonable doubt that he had committed a crime. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's talk to, uh, let's see, Ty in Oak Creek. Ty, you're on WTMJ. Hey, good afternoon. Happy voting. How are you doing? Uh, happy voting to you, sir, as well. What did? Uh, what do you think about all this? I think the teachers have every right. In today's world, the teachers...
the teacher is in control of the classroom and not the students. They're there to get paid and do their job to teach our children in today's world what's right and what's wrong. Okay, but here's here's my question. The, the teacher is in control, but when the teacher allows his emotions to get the best of him and, and throws a punch at the kid, does that does that does that go over the edge? I mean, has he in fact lost control once he gets to that point? In a point, yes, but he is aggravated to take action at at a certain point. Right, right. And for a kid to throw the ball at him and start cutting at him and using the N word, yeah. it's inappropriate. Maybe the child should get charged as an adult nowadays when they're fourteen. Well, I mean, thanks for calling me. I, I guess I, it is interesting. I mean, the first thing I do, I, I don't. It's hard for me to see this fourteen-year-old as too much of of a victim. I mean, the 14 year old is the instigator here. And I, I, it's interesting. I'm wondering if they're going to be talking about disciplining the 14 year old, including maybe tossing him out of, uh, you know, again, uh, throwing him out of the school because I don't know about you, but if my kid is going to that school, I don't want my kid going to school with somebody like this 14 year old, 414-799-1620. Anna in Manitowoc. Anna, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi. Hi. Um, I think the teacher was out of line in um, striking the, the student, and the t- teacher deserves to be disciplined, including um, being fired. Okay. Um, as a retired teacher, I can tell you that that is never a response that's acceptable, um, no matter what kind of um, aggression is issued against you. I think if, it's one thing if you are being physically assaulted to defend yourself, but um, with there being a pause in there and then him coming back at at the right. students, that is just not the way to handle the situation. I, and I don't disagree with you. And I, and, and I don't think anybody I don't think anybody would that there's all these better ways to handle it. I, I'm wondering if the constant use of the N word directed to him might have, you know, might have pushed him over the edge or something like that. I guess my question is, even if we assume the teacher was wrong under these cases, Given the provocation, um, is that maybe an extenuating circumstance that deserves him not be not being fired? I can't imagine there being an extenuating circumstance except self-defense. I also think that there, there needs to be some question about the culture at the school. Did the student, did the teacher feel, you know, has he reported this before and nothing happened? You know, um, you know that he felt the need to take matters into his own hands. I think clearly the pause in 15 seconds and then turning around and hitting the kid shows that he was out of control. Mm-hmm. And, and again, you know, calling the police officer that's in the school or administration, or in some severe cases, I have removed my other students from the classroom and left the kid who wants the audience in the classroom by himself. Mm-hmm. And just moved my kids to another classroom. Do you think he should be charged criminally? Um, I don't know. I, I I don't know on that, but I do think that he should he should probably lose his job. Okay, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. You know, I and I'm, I'm sure some parents are going to feel that way, and that's why when I started off this conversation, if you just said to me, "All right, you've got a Jeff, you've got a videotape of of a high school teacher who throws a punch at a student." When you hear that, yeah, I think the reaction is, well, yeah, of course, the, the person's got to go. That That's not acceptable at all. I continue to look at this, and I guess I, I still feel this is one where there there is that asterisk. Do I think that he should be penalized in some fashion? 
Uh, do I think there should be some discipline? Yes. But if, if there's no, and I don't believe there is, if there's no history of misconduct, if there's no history of complaints, this particular circumstance where you are prodded beyond the breaking point by a 14-year-old who is clearly out of control, I guess I, I, think, it, I think it is unfair that, that that single act, which was wrong, costs him his job as far as the criminal charges like I say, to me, it's an exercise in futility because I will be stunned if this guy demands a jury trial. If you could get 12 people who would agree under these circumstances beyond a reasonable doubt that he's guilty of a crime. It's 128 Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 135 Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. The holidays are right around the corner and WTMJ is back with our annual holiday radio show. WTMJ presents The Night Before Christmas starring Gene Miller. Jane Matinair, yours truly, and a slave full of Wisconsin celebrities. From Turner Hall in downtown Milwaukee on Monday, November 26th at 6.30, the live radio play will be recorded in front of a studio audience, and you can be part of it. Buy tickets now. Go to WTMJ.com or text the word Christmas to 414-799-1620. It is, without a doubt, the most troubling. It's the worst local story of the last several days were statewide story that would be it's the story of the death of these girl scouts and their mother all right the, the details are now coming out this happened again saturday morning i'm i'm looking at the press release that was put out by uh chippewa county authorities Here, here's what they say saturday november 3rd about 11 41 in the morning chippewa fire district and the village of lake haley police responded to a traffic crash on an area highway. When the two uh, on-duty officers arrived on the scene, they learned that a black pickup truck had struck five pedestrians and fled the scene. The traffic crash resulted in the death of four members of a Girl Scout troop. The local Girl Scout troop consisted of 12 persons, five adults and seven children, who participating were participating in a highway cleanup project. This is on a Saturday morning. All members were wearing green, highly visible safety vests. All members of the group were in the ditch, not on the pavement or the gravel shoulder at the time of the crash. The speed limit at the location is 45 miles an hour. The roadway is straight with no obstructions. The entire group was on the west side of the road, just south of an overpass bridge. A black truck heading northbound veered out of its lane, crossed over the center line, and left the road entirely into the west side ditch, striking five members of the group. The truck failed to stop and render aid, but instead left the scene of the crash. The truck was last observed heading north towards the city of Chippewa Falls. Additional paramedics were summoned. The state patrol was doing the accident reconstruction. At about 1.30 p.m., a Chippewa County deputy was able to track vehicle fluids from the crash scene approximately 1.8 miles to an address in the city of Chippewa Falls. So let's review the bidding here. This car crosses over the center line, crosses over the uh, on the other way, line of traffic, goes into that ditch on the other side, hits five people, drives off. It does not stop. But because of the impact or whatever, they can find like fluid. So the car is gone. The drivers have disappeared. They have driven off, leaving people literally for dead. So they're able to, again, track a, a flow of fluids to a particular house. Uh, the police then secure the home and the garage. They obtained a warrant. The truck was found abandoned in the garage. 
the driver and a passenger had left the house. So the two people in the car, they have fled like the cowards that they are. The traffic crash claimed the lives of a nine-year-old, a 10-year-old, another 10-year-old, and the second 10-year-old's mother. My God. An additional child, 10 years old, is still hospitalized, reported in stable condition. All right. 4.30 in the afternoon. So this is five-plus hours later. Colton True, I think that's how you pronounce his name, T-R-E-U, 21, turned himself in to officers of the police. The passenger in the truck had apparently turned himself in about a half hour earlier. Both uh, subjects gave statements to police, which included that they had been intentionally inhaling chemical vapors, which is commonly called huffing, just prior to the accident. And as I described this yesterday, that's back in the day, it was sniffing glue. But but what people do nowadays to get high is they will paint thinner, you you name it. I don't know what these guys were doing, but they... They sniff whatever it is, it gets them high, and apparently they had been doing that. The story um, goes on that apparently the the guy that's driving the car, he's chemically altered from this huffing stuff. He's driving erratically. The passenger's story is that he was trying to wrestle the wheel back from him. They were struggling, lost control, but they end up hitting, killing these people, driving off. All right, so now... There are charges that have been issued. There was a bail set in the amount of $250,000 for the driver of the vehicle. I doubt he's made that bail, but if he does somehow come up with $250,000, he will be out pending trial. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Had a real interesting conversation with a couple people actually yesterday. Here's the deal. The guy driving this vehicle is 21 years old. So presumably he has a long life ahead of him. He is chemically altered because he has been doing this huffing stuff. I don't know that there's a criminal record. I don't think there's a lengthy criminal record. In some senses, that this is an accident. I mean, to the extent that the guy didn't set out that day that, gee, this is the day that I'm going to drive and hit a bunch of Girl Scouts and kill them. But that is exactly what he did. 414-799-1620. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Here is my question to you. If convicted of these four homicides, should this guy ever, ever, ever be released from prison again? Or is this something that, you know, it's got to structure the sentence so he never, ever gets out? Because four people are dead, including two 10-year-olds, a 9-year-old, and one of the 10-year-old's mothers all because this guy chose to get himself high and get behind the wheel of a vehicle. 414-799-1620. And then, it is to me an aggravating thing, he not only does this, but then he drives off leaving these people for dead and avoids, ultimately he turned himself in, but this wasn't a tough one. The authorities were able to trace the car back to the truck, back to the house, They were going to catch him soon. He turned himself in five hours later, presumably when he had sobered up a little. All right. Do you ever let him out of jail? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line we discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 142. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 146, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. As near as I can figure out, the the 21-year-old responsible for the death of those Girl Scouts and one of their moms in the hit-and-run incident up in Chippewa Falls, 
no prior criminal record. Looks to me like he has a conviction for underage drinking and a conviction for drunken driving. Um, but he, he's in it big time now. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. What what do you what do you do? What do you do with him? Let's start with Mike in Fond du Lac. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, hi, Jeff. Hi, By Mike. the way, I got a pillow. <laughs> My pillow. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What I want to say is the kid made an unforgivable mistake, but he is 21. I would say give him three to five years in prison, and then every day, every year on that day, go to those grave sites. Okay, so three to five years. Now, let me just stop you for a second, Mike. You, you realize there's two 10-year-old girls, there's one of their mothers, and there's a nine-year-old girl. They're all dead. They're, they're not coming back. And you would say three to five years. Yep, I, I agree. It's unforgivable. Totally unforgivable. But the kid is 21. Mm-hmm. So let him know what prison life is, and then make him. Every year, or even on no, each sure. kid's birthday, make him go to that grave site so he never forgets, and keep him under strict probation for life, no alcohol, no drugs, anything, for the rest of his life, but oh. make him go to the grave sites every year. Okay, After thanks. He serves his sentence. Okay, thanks to call, Mike, 414-799-1620. I asked the question, I mean, Mike says three to five years, and then some form of community service, and then go out to the grave sites. Now, again, I, I repeat, you, you've got you've got two 10-year-old girls, you've got a 9-year-old girl, and you've got one of their mothers who, who are dead, who were doing nothing but, you know, cleaning up a, a roadside highway when this guy, high on whatever he was high on, loses control of the car, hits and kills these people, and then drives off three to five years with all due respect, I, I don't think life is that cheap in Chippewa County. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Tom in Hartford. Tom, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hello, Jeff. How are you doing? I'm well, thank you. What do you do Good. if this guy's convicted? Well, this guy, I mean, he's 21 years old. I think life in prison, and if we had the death penalty, it's his uh, servants, whatever he's got coming, and gone with him. I'm sick and tired of uh, paying taxes for people in prison like this. I mean, it's all over the place. These people that are just committing stuff, and that's stupid. Mm-hmm. And regardless, he should know what he's doing at 21. I know I knew what I was doing at 21. Well, and, I, and he had an alcohol uh, problem anyway. So there you go. I mean, how many more people does he want to kill? Well, that, I mean, and thanks to God. See, this is why I find this to be an interesting story, because many times when you have criminal activity, you, you have it committed by like the hardcore criminals. You know, that, that the 10% of the criminals that commit the 90% of the crime. This is, this doesn't appear to be one of these cases. I mean, this is somebody with no prior criminal record, but who, who's acted out in the, the extreme. He's chemically altered. He's killed four people, including three children. And, and I'm not diminishing the, the, the significance of the life of the 32 year old mom either. And then, you know, and then he's driven off. Um, and there's no question he, he drove off because he panicked. They knew what they did. And, you know, they waited till they sobered up. They recognized that they would be caught. And, but, but it's not somebody that, gee, has this lengthy criminal record. But at the same time, on the flip side, this is about as bad a, a criminal consequence and a result as you can have. I mean, it's just about as bad as it gets. And the idea that 
you're not going to warehouse him. I mean, I just, I, I think this is one where you have to say, look, I maybe you're really regretful. Maybe this is because you've got this problem, you know, and if you're sniffing whatever he was sniffing, it clearly would indicate that. But, you know, you, you've done something really, really horrible, and you're going to have to pay the consequences of it. And the consequences are, if not a life sentence, a lengthy sentence. And I'm talking about decades in prison. And I understand there might be some people who wring their hands and say, well, what does that accomplish? You know, well, it, it punishes him for taking the lives of these four people. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to, um, uh, let's see, let's go to Jerry in Milwaukee. Jerry, you're on WTMJ. Jerry, me. Jerry, yes, sir. Is he, am I on? You're on the air. Don't say bad words. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, I won't. Okay, but fair it, enough. It, it, yeah, yeah, I agree with you on a lot of, on a lot of the points, yeah. But the, the, the bottom line here is what good can be extracted from this horrible thing. Well, I'm not. This is one where I'm not sure that there's any good that comes out of this one. Well, the only good I can see is that whatever sentence he gets is that he continuously goes from high school to high school to high school to high school and has to give the grisly details of what mm-hmm. he did. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, th- thanks for culture. I mean, I guess I. I mean, if if you would do that as some like condition of probation, but but first, but before you get to that stage, it, it seems to me he doesn't go from high school to high school to high school. He goes to whatever prison has availability, and he sits there for twenty or thirty years. I mean, it, it, it if if it's like okay, we're going to have you do some form of community service and get out and talk about the awful consequences of this. Well. If you haven't suffered a degree of punishment now, look, and I, I understand I get accused of being in favor of mass incarceration and, you know, putting people in prison for lengthy periods of time. But people are dead. I mean, pe- people are are dead. Um, it just it, it's unthinkable. We we all at some point in time have probably had a 10 year old or a nine year old in our life. And I mean, the, the facts of this are just about as bad as as possible because, again, you've got the Girl Scouts and they're doing the adopt a highway thing. But it, it wouldn't make any difference. What if the guy was in the same situation and he was, you know, driving fifty five miles an hour, blows through a red light, and hits a car um, be, because he's in this intoxicated condition? It it just doesn't change the fact that I think there needs to be significant consequences. And you know, we can argue about do you put him in prison for life? Or do you put him in prison for 20 or 30 or 40 years? But the bottom line is, if, if I'm the judge, and maybe this is the reason I'm not the judge, I, he, he's not seeing the light of day for for decades. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Sarah in Madison. Sarah, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, thanks for taking a call. Hi, Sarah. Oh, my call. Yeah, there's a reason I'm not the judge. I would give him three hats and a cot. Right, forever, uh, huh? I am i don't want to hear about he was young. So were the people he killed. Think about what what he took away from them. My understanding, the news stories I've heard, this was not his first time on the rodeo. It's not like he got up that morning and decided to huff. I believe he'd done it before mm-hmm. um, and didn't have good consequences then either. This was far worse consequences. But a, a message has got to be sent. Um, you kill somebody, it doesn't matter if they're young. I mean, would it make it a difference right. if you'd have killed four eighty-year-olds? Right. Yeah. If, if, anyway, fair point. Know. I mean, if this was two seventy-five-year-olds who were walking on the side of the road on on a Saturday morning because they like to walk, looking at birds or whatever, right? Would right. it have changed the dynamic? I understand. Yeah. yeah. He he 
stole their futures from them because he chose a crummy one for himself. He needs to pay. Right. I see. I thanks for, I, I I agree. I, I mean, I I agree, and I don't. I, I often I always try to find you know the silver lining in very dark clouds, and I, I will tell you, I don't I, I don't see one in this one. I mean, maybe you know you you. You can use it to talk about the, what happens if you get yourself chemically altered and, you know, these are some of the extreme consequences. And I understand somebody just texted me and said, well, you know, we're, you know, everybody got themselves high from time to time. Maybe everybody drank when they were 18 or 19 or 20 or 21 or whatever. I, I don't know. Um, but when this happens, when this happens, when you are this out of control, and this is the result. And, and it's, it's just the reality here. Look, I, I understand. Maybe you can say, all right, you no, know, everybody, you know, there's comes a time where maybe everybody, you know, drives home drunk. All right. Maybe, and now I don't know that that's necessarily valid, but maybe you can say there is a time in everybody's life where they have too much to drink and they get behind the wheel of the car and they're able through the grace of God to get home. Oh, okay. That, that, that's fine. I, I understand that. But if they're not, if they're not through the grace of God able to get home and instead they run through a red light or they do something like this, then there is a different consequence and there's a different penalty that you have to pay. And my guess is he's not going to be seeing the light of day for decades, if at all. It's 155. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Stick around. 207. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So, Melissa, have you voted yet? I already voted, yes. You already voted. Mm -hmm. Long lines or not really? There was no line at Shorewood High School. Walked right in, voted, took three minutes, four minutes. Yeah, I, I, it, was it was easy. Great. Yeah, it was easy for us. We yeah. voted about nine o'clock this morning, and there were a few people. And it, it was steady. I mean, there were people coming in and going out of the polling place, but it wasn't like there were lines around the block or anything. Right. No, I was very. I mean, I remember in the primary elections, I was surprised there. I had to wait quite a bit. Right. But yeah, I got out there around eleven thirty. So around lunchtime, okay, and there was no lines. All right. So yeah. So don't let fear of heavy turnout scare you off. Go on out and cast the ballot. All right. I've been promising this all day. We are at the um, end of a long election season. Matter of fact, it's almost like we are in a permanent election season, particularly in Wisconsin, because let's go back eight years. You had the governor's race, and then. Almost immediately, we went into the recall actions, and then you had another election, then you had another governor's race, and then, of course, you had the rise of President Trump in 2016. And it seems like, again, when it comes to politics, and, and this really does go back the last eight years, it, it seems like everybody's down to their to their last nerve. Uh, today is the day that people vote, and by I don't know, 10 o'clock tonight, 11 o'clock tonight, 8 o'clock tomorrow morning. We should know the results. We'll know if the Republicans have lost control of the House of Representatives. We'll know if the Republicans have retained control of the U.S. Senate. And closer to home, we'll know what our elections look like. Now, I, I don't mind. I don't mind going out on a limb and making predictions. And see, this is always a little bit dangerous because over the years, I have done this on a regular basis. Many more, much more often than not, I, I end up being right. But every once in a while, you end up being wrong, and then you never hear the end of it for that time that you were wrong. But that's okay. It comes with the territory. I've got thick skin. Here is how I see the race. And let's talk about the Wisconsin races. I, and maybe I will be proven wrong, but I, I don't think you see a massive blue wave in, in Wisconsin, in part because the players are so well known. 
Um, I think Governor Walker wins at the end of the day. Might this be his closest election? It, it, it very well might be. But I think Governor Walker ends up winning. And, and here's why. See, at the end of the day, I think it comes down to, you know, what Bill Clinton identified in the early 90s, that it, it's the economy stupid. And the economy is going incredibly well. Now, I understand that you can't be in office for any length of time without irritating people on, on different issues. But the truth of the matter is, Wisconsin's economy is going gangbusters. We are essentially looking at, at full employment. And generally speaking, when, when people are doing well, and I understand that you can find somebody who says, oh, I'm not doing well or whatever. But generally speaking, people vote their pocketbooks. And if you vote their pocketbooks, you're doing well. If you look at the stuff that's going on, if you look at the business development, if you look at the structure with regard to taxes and things like that, Wisconsin really is a place that's open for business. And I, I think from an economic standpoint, you know, it, it's a really good place to be. Uh, I just don't see the voters of Wisconsin deciding that they are going to, again, change horses, particularly because I think the Democrats have fallen into the same problem that they've had the last couple times, which is you can't beat somebody with nobody. Tony Evers, I think, has run a, a very, very poor campaign. Now, if he wins... It's simply because people were upset with Donald Trump and they didn't like Scott Walker and they decided to run out and and vote for the anti-Walker or because of perhaps Walker fatigue. You know, people are right, he's been around for a long time. I, I'm just I I forgot how things were eight years ago. I'm not going to get out and vote. That's a possibility. But, you know, Tony Evers isn't the type of candidate that inspires people to run through a brick wall and, and say, oh, gee, I, I, I really want Tony Evers to be the governor. I guess the way I see it, a vote for Evers is really it's the anti-Walker vote. That has not been enough to win in the past, and I don't think it's going to be enough to win today. But I think it's probably going to be close. I think when it comes to the U.S. Senate, same sort of thing. I, I think that uh, Leah Vukmir is a very, very good candidate, but I'm not sure that she has done enough to convince people to you know, vote against Tammy Baldwin, who's done pretty much nothing over the last six years. But the the whole problem with the Toma VA that didn't that didn't appear to me to stick. And I, I think it's it's going to be an uphill battle for her. So if I had to guess, I'd guess that the governor is reelected. I'd guess that Tammy Baldwin is reelected. I don't think there's going to be any change in congressional seats. It's I I, I think I, I think that. Um, Randy Bryce, an incredibly flawed candidate. I, I can't believe that he was the best that the Democrats could come up with. I, I think he ends up losing. I think the Republicans keep their five seats. I think the Democrats keep their three. I, I don't think the Democrats take control of the state Senate. And I know they don't take control of the state assembly. I think in Wisconsin, it's going to be pretty much status quo when we look at the results tomorrow. And again, could be wrong. And then you can send me the note saying, I heard you make this prediction and you were completely wrong. Well, it, it happens, but. That's how I see it. Nationwide, tougher. I think the Republicans are going to take can retain control of the U.S. Senate. I don't know about the House. I mean, all the smart money says they lose control of the House. I guess it depends on whether or not Republican voters come home or not. Um, but parties in the midterm elections, the party in power tends to lose seats. And I guess I see nothing that convinces me that that historical prism is going to change. But in Wisconsin, I think it's going to be pretty much same old, same old. That's my guess, despite the fact 
that we have had millions and millions of dollars spent on advertising essentially over the course of the last, I was going to say six months, but actually probably over the course of the last two years. All right, that is my take on on the elections. I I don't know about the whole turnout thing. I, I think turnout's going to be up, but it's it's not going to be at a presidential sort of level. It's an opportunity to get out and vote and have your vote really count. So what I want to do now, that's my thoughts on this, I want to open up the phone lines. Your thoughts, any race that you want to talk about, how's the governor's race going to turn out? How's the Senate race going to turn out? If you want to talk about some of the assembly seats or something like that or the state Senate, I'm willing to do that as well. What did you see when you were voting at the polls? What motivated you to go out and vote at the polls? Uh, It's pretty much an open forum as we sort of ease into the end of Election Day. 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you want to talk about the elections today, I want to talk about it with you. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you want to tell me my predictions are all wet and, I don't know, some of the Republicans are going to surprise or that blue wave is really going to hit, that's okay. I'm willing to discuss that as well. 414-799-1620. We're back to talk election in just a moment. It's 215. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 218. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. I do admit that I will take some form of sort of joy if if it turns out that this blue wave that everybody has been talking about for the last several months, if it turns out that this is just kind of crashing along the shore, I I, I will take a certain pleasure in, you know, watching some of the talking heads tonight as they try to explain that. Now, I'm not necessarily sure that's going to be the case. And candidly, some years I spend a lot of time trying to analyze different U.S. Senate races and congressional races across the country for a variety of reasons, including the fact that I think that the presence of Donald Trump makes it almost impossible to do that. I I really haven't, I I can't tell you about what's going on in the Senate races in Mississippi with any sort of confidence at all. I haven't been following those sort of races. Some of the years I do, this year I didn't. I've been trying to focus on Wisconsin. And I I think it's going to be pretty much status quo at the end of the day. Let's start with Heidi in Union Grove. Hi, Heidi. Hi, Jeff. Um, thanks for taking my call. Yes, I, it, it's just a little ironic um, situation we had this this morning um, in the town of Dover, Kansas. So I was uh, number six eighty three, which is really a big number. Yeah, that sounds high. Yeah. This morning, and I just kind of chuckled because when you used to walk in every year or every voting time, it was you go to the right. You get your ticket, you go vote, you come back out, you drop your ballot into the machine. Now, this year, and it was run smoothly, right? So I went to the right, right, to the right. So now, this year, it was you go to the left, you're waiting, and you get your ticket, and you got to jump in front of people to go over and get your ticket, and then you do the ballot, and then you drop it off, and then you got to cut in front of people to get out, and it was just so disarrayed. I'm thinking... Well, why change? Right? Just stay to the right. <laughs> <laughs> stay to the right. Don't move to the left. Yeah. Don't go to the left. Okay. What What is the What is the race that most motivated you to go out and vote today? Um, just for just everything is going forward, and let's mm-hmm. just keep it going forward, and uh, no, no going backwards. And like I say, Eber. I mean, he. I work for Union Shop, and and they were promoting Evers, and I said no. Right. I said I'm. I'm going forward. I don't want to go backwards. Everything's going positive right now. So I'm I'm happy with Wisconsin and what they're doing and so well, far so good. Well, that, I mean, right now. Well, thanks for calling. I mean, I see I think 
at the end of the day, and again, I, it, it's interesting to me because the people that have run against Walker, it's always been an anti-Walker. I'll give you an example. Barack Obama, and, again, and look, I understand, candidates like Barack Obama on the right or the left come along very rarely, but Barack Obama was a candidate that motivated people. People would run through a brick wall to vote for them. Tony Evers is not that candidate. Matter of fact, I, I don't know that I know anybody who is excited about voting for Tony Evers. It, it, this isn't a referendum of Tony Evers. It is a referendum again on Scott Walker. And, and that's, I think Walker would have been in more trouble. And, and maybe Walker loses. Again, I don't think that's going to be the case. But Walker would have been in much more trouble if the Democrats had nominated a, a dynamic sort of candidate that would have had all sorts of ideas and aggressive postures and put perhaps Walker on the defensive. That That's not the way that this campaign ha- has played out. If, if the Democrats end up losing, I think one of the things that was sort of a telling thing was back before, before the Democratic primary, and candidly, I think there were a couple Democrat candidates that could have really on their own right, given Scott Walker a, a run for their money, uh, be, because you know they, they have position. I might have disagreed with the positions, but they would have staked it out, as opposed to a guy like Tony Evers, who to me is just sort of a cipher. The But what happened was, if you remember, immediately before the Democratic primary, there were a couple polls that came out that showed Tony Evers way ahead. And, and those polls ended up becoming kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. In some respects, I think that's the best thing that could have happened to Scott Walker. Now, again, I understand I might be wrong. He might go on to lose. But if he goes on to win, I think, once again, it's because there wasn't a strong Democrat who all proposed an alternative version of Wisconsin as opposed to simply, well, I'm not Scott Walker, which only carries so far. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Vern in Wapaka. Vern, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Yeah, hey, thanks, Jeff, for letting me on. Yes, sir. Um, you know, I look at Tony Evers as kind of the geek of our class. I totally agree with you that he has no charisma. He has no attraction. But I come from the central Wisconsin area, and I need to tell you, I have a lot of relatives, sisters, brothers that are teachers, public employees, state employees, and there seems to be a real vendetta, almost a rage against Walker to get out and vote and get Evers in. Mm-hmm. And I just feel there's an undertone there that tells me they might be more organized. Uh, what mm-hmm. do you think about that? Well, I, I mean, th- that's all we, I mean, I guess it's tough for me to, to, to say more because I, I remember the recall election in 2002, you know, where, where people were, again, running through brick walls to vote not for Tom Barrett, but to vote against Governor Walker. And, and that came up short. I, I think yeah. there's no question. I, I think the left sees this as an opportunity because what they're saying is, okay, maybe there's Walker fatigue. A lot of the people that, you know, really were motivated to vote for Scott, maybe they're tired. Secondly, you've got the Trump factor, and, and nobody knows exactly how that's going to play. I think it's going to play less in Wisconsin because, again, Scott Walker is such a known commodity than it might in other states. But I think people are saying, okay, well, there's going to be people who are disgusted with, with Trump, so they're going to send a message. I, I guess I, I don't I don't know how it's going to all play out, but that's why, you know, Walker needs yeah. to turn out his voters. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I agree with the Trump thing. I don't think it's going to that have, have that much of an influence. But uh, curious as to what's going to happen. It, well, it, let's just keep hoping. Right. Yeah. Well, thanks to call. Well, that is see that is one of the cool things about politics. 
and I've, I've tried to explain this to, to people, and, and sometimes their eyes kind of glaze over. For for most people, and it, it's one of the reasons why I think people work on campaigns. And again, wh- whether you're working for somebody on the left or the right, I really, I, I'm always amazed at how hard some people work and how devoted they get. And, and yes, there's a whole lot of reasons. They they want to make the state a better place. They want to make their district a better place. They want to make the country a better place. But one of the things that I think happens with politics is. There are winners and there are losers in most of for most of our lives. You go through your life and you have good days and you have bad days, but it's not a win or a lose thing. Now, when I was practicing law and a trial lawyer, you win the trial, you lose the trial. But for most of us, you have a good day, you have a bad day. It's that type of stuff. Politics, there's a winner and a loser. You know, we will know tonight after the polls close or if it's, you know, some point in time, we're going to know whether our candidate, the ones that we supported, whether they won or, or they lost. It, it is, you get that sort of visceral feedback that you don't get from a lot of things in life, and I think it's one of the appeals. Let's talk to Tom in Watertown. Hi, Tom. Hi. What do you think? Um, well, I had a weird experience when I went and voted today. Okay. Usually, you know, I'm like 60, 70 is, is my number. Um, came up 533. So. I assume they put the early ballots in. Right. I probably, you know, I'm glad you said that because it, it, they they do it differently. And I don't know that there's any rule as to when they do it. Sometimes people are completely blown away with, with the numbers. And sometimes it's simply because when the polls opened up, they fed all the absentee ballots in. So what you're seeing is the 500 people who you, it could be you're seeing 500 people that voted early and they just fed their ballots into the machine. So you never quite know when those ballots get put in. Yep. Yep. So. And then I had, I had three people in front of me, three ladies and um, they went and put their ballots in and they got kicked out hmm. and they were like, what's the matter? And they're like, it shows you've already voted and <laughs> talk about it. Talk about a deer in the headlights. Look, it, it, they were like, huh. okay, not wrong. We're out here. Bye. <laughs> it it was, showed they already voted. How would it know? Huh? How would it know that? Well, I wonder. I don't know. You know, if, if they put the, but it's like, you know, huh. it shows you already voted huh. and we can't take another ballot from you. And huh. you I, know, they, I, they split fast, and it, but huh. I've never seen anything like that. I've never had a, you know, voter fraud. Thing. No, I don't think so. I, I, I guess I, I, I don't. I just, I, it doesn't make sense to me because when I, okay, when so when I go to vote, I, I stand in line, I show them my photo ID, and they give me they give me the sheet, and then I go and I go to the table, and they find my name in the book, and they say, okay, your voter number, whatever. And then they give me the slip, and I take the slip, and I give it to the gal that has the ballot. But it's it's just that the ballot doesn't have any any identifying information. You don't know, you, you don't know what my ballot was. You just the only thing that you tells you is, I mean, whether you normally it's not going to bounce a ballot unless you've filled you voted for the. You, you voted for two people for the same election or something like that. All right, 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We do this almost every election day. I, I want a, an electronic town hall. I want to open up the phone lines. I want to give you a chance to talk about any race that you want to talk about. 
Um, if you want to make predictions, if you want to say why I'm all wet, if you want to talk about the Senate race or the governor's race, I think that's the one that a lot of us are paying attention to, the one that everybody says is going to be very, very close, and I think it probably will be. We're going to talk about it. It's 228, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 235, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So I was talking to somebody the other day and said, I listen, I listen to all three hours of the show every day. And I said, really? And they said, yeah, I do it for the podcast. That it's really, it's great. So I, I always want to remind people, uh, you don't have to miss anything. You can go to WTMJ.com, our website, click on the mobile app page, and then don't just download the podcast, but subscribe to the podcast. I know lots and lots of people do that and you make sure you don't miss anything. All right. This is an electronic town hall. It, we've, you know, for the last, X number of months, you've had the politicians that are running ads. By the way, if anybody would like to weigh in on the ads, um, you have been bombarded with them. And that's, that is the one thing that I guarantee tomorrow you're, you're not going to have any election ads. Or, or you might have election ads for 2020, but you're not going to have any election ads. So if there's, I also, in the context of our conversation, if there's, if there is a campaign or a candidate that you think has had particularly effective ads or that you thought the ads have really sucked. I, I'd be delighted to talk about that too. A lot of money spent on these, 414-799-1620. But it's just essentially an electronic town hall about any of the races that you want to talk about or the process. Robin in Lake Geneva. Hi, Robin. Good afternoon. Hi. Um, I was calling because normally the last two terms I've voted for Scott Walker. Right. And this year, I couldn't do it. Um, I'm one of those voters that I'm so sickened with Trump that I voted completely Democrat this time, which is unlike me. I usually vote both ways. I vote for whoever I think will do the best job. And it's like I felt that I couldn't vote that way anymore because of... Okay, the, the, and, and you've already voted, so. It, but I'm, I'm, I'm legitimately curious. You you don't you don't like President Trump for whatever reasons, and believe me, I, I get that. What 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 does then voting against Scott Walker? How how does what because what does I that do? That he hasn't stood up to Trump enough to you know like his rhetoric and you know how he's so sexist and racist and everything else and everybody just kind of sits back and allows him to act this way and enough people haven't like stood up and said Mm -hmm. you know enough is enough this isn't okay Mm -hmm. this isn't what the united states is built on and i feel that we have to send the message to the republican party to let them know that this isn't okay Okay, so the effect. Okay with it. So the the effect of that is you are uh, uh, okay if if you if you would agree with my premise that Wisconsin economically you, we've got almost full employment taxes are are low you've got all these new jobs that are being developed and stuff you're you in your in your vote you were willing to sacrifice all of that um, to to send a message to the president. Well, I don't think I'm sacrificing because as much as you can say everything is going well, Mm -hmm. you know, on the same hand, you know, like the immigrants coming here and and people are wondering, like, all right, where is all this money going that, you know, like with Social Security and um, Medicaid and how they want to put health care through the Democrats for all? And they're like, oh, we don't have enough money for that. My question is, is 
with all these immigrants that supposedly come here and they're working and they're paying into Social Security and they're and they're paying into these programs, where is that money going to? Okay. All right. Okay. Good enough. Thank, thanks for call, Robin. I, I I don't want to have a lengthy conversation about Social Security because I I want I want to talk about the election. So. You know, Robin says, and, and let's face it, there's a lot of Democrats that are hoping that's what happens. Robin says, I voted for Scott Walker. I'm not necessarily unhappy with the way things are in the state, but I don't like Donald Trump, and I, I don't think Republicans have done a good enough job of standing up to him, so I'm going to vote against the Republican governor. And and that's, I appreciate that maybe there's a sentiment like that out there. 414-799-1620. Kathy in Hales Corners. Hi, Kathy. You're on WTMJ. Hi. Um, I went and voted, and um, everybody that was there was signing up for the first time, Mm -hmm. and they were all young, and I think that doesn't bode well for Governor Walker. But the caller that was just on, I don't understand why you're not voting Based on who's running, I mean, Evers, I don't think, is going to do well for the state if he gets in. It makes no sense to me. You're going to vote for somebody right. or against somebody because of the president. Yeah, I mean, but but that, yes, I, I, I'm with you, Kathy. I mean, it's kind of like, and it, it's sort of like, okay, well, if if I like the job, the, the gov- if, if I like the job the governor's doing, I voted for the governor before, I think he would continue to good, do a good job, but I'm going to vote against him because I, I find President Trump to be offensive or whatever. I, I think there's a disconnect there, too, but that's in my mind. But the truth is, there, there's, I think, a lot of people, like our last caller, Robin, who, who, who feel like, it's like, I want to send a message that I don't like President Trump. So, boom, I'm, I'm going to vote uh, against him. Now, the flip side, though, is I, I think a lot of Republican voters are, are coming home, just like they came home in 2016. And even though they might not necessarily be thrilled with the rhetoric of President Trump or whatever, they're still going to come home and they're going to vote. Um, don't, don't know. I'm going to be interesting, going back to what you started with, uh, you know, every election – People have always been predicting what I call a youth quake, you know, all, all these young voters, and it's never materialized. But maybe maybe this will be the year that that's, that's different. I hope I'm wrong. I mean, yeah. my children are voting for Governor Walker and um, most of the people on the Republican ticket. Right, um, right. Yeah, so again, thanks, guys. It's, it's, it's also really, it's really tough to, to predict the, these sort of, it's really tough to predict these sort of things from like a, a, a small number. You know, you it, it's it's kind of like yard signs, and and I understand there's some of you that just disagree with me completely about yard signs. But the the idea that gee, I drove through my neighborhood and I saw that there's a whole bunch of Evers signs, so that means Evers is going to do well nationally or, or statewide or whatever, or or Walker signs or whatever. That's that's almost. It, it just statistically it doesn't tend to bear itself out um so you always have to be careful drawing those kind of conclusions you know we know more at the end let's talk to tom in wales tom you're on wtmj hey, good afternoon hi tom uh, I'm, I'm mostly concerned about the governor's election again uh walker has been so many times persecuted by the left but i think he's done a great job for the state of wisconsin i work in business for 40 years, I've been in manufacturing, and I'm seeing more business come into Wisconsin across the board. I don't think Evers could do anything to improve that. I think he would degrade the situation and go back to more regulation and taxes. 
Oh, I don't think there's any question about that. I, I don't think there's any question about that. Uh, and I don't think, I don't think he would deny that, that sort of stuff. Um, guess the question becomes is, have we forgotten how things were eight, eight years ago? And are we ready to just make a change for the sake of making a change? I've survived losing a job due to relocation out of state. I worked at Brigham Stratton for 25 years. I had a great outplacement package. I found my way through a couple different employers. I've been successful. I've been very fortunate that way because I've got some skills that my company's helped pay to have me earn through going to college and night school. Right. I don't see anything in our education system helping our high school students. Oh, look at Common Core. It's a disaster. How can anybody do math that way and work in a business environment where quick answers are needed? Right, right. No, I mean, thanks. I, I think, I mean, I... I... Again, I go back to what I said when I started this this hour, making my predictions. Typically, typically people vote their pocketbooks, and if you vote your pocketbook, things, as a general rule in Wisconsin, are going great. Now, I, I understand that maybe there's this pocket, or there's somebody that says, "Okay, I'm not doing as well as I was." But in general, you know, we're looking at essentially full employment. You're looking at a climate of extremely low taxation. Um, we're in a period of growth. Things, by all objective measures, are doing extremely well. As a general rule, normally that would be a very good environment for the incumbent, whether they're Republican or Democrat. There might be a different dynamic. Here's an interesting text. Jeff, saw a homeless man on the corner today with a sign that says, Homeless, vote Walker out. <laughs> interesting to see that perspective. Maybe the guy doesn't want low employment. Yeah, it's like, so maybe that's the idea that, Gee, um, we're at a point where there's so many jobs that are out there. You know, if you wanted to get a job, you know, you'd, you'd be all set. But gee, we want, I want to vote Walker out because I don't know, maybe I want handouts or whatever. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Mike in Norway. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, Jeff, uh, I'm just calling to let you know that there's a lot of people uh, out here voting in the town of Norway. Mm-hmm. We were at, uh, 2200 above 2200 when i just got out of there a couple minutes ago were there lines too uh there were lines they were extremely short and yeah. it was extremely well run good. um i'd have to say good okay um really what, what, excited to see the people out there and uh I, i'm hoping uh i'm hoping scott walker gets <laughs> voted back in um, right. our economy's been rolling and i remember jim doyle so yeah do you think that's going to happen you think he's going to win walker I do. yeah I, I do. certainly do. Now, thanks. Thanks. I I do too. It it might it might be close. And again, I I understand by saying this, I open myself up to I told you so. But I I think I think at the end of the day, again, it it is the economy. Stupid. Joe in Burlington writes: People who vote should vote based on the candidate, not the president. Governor Walker's achievements speak for themselves. Brian in Kenosha. Hi, Brian. You're on WTMJ. Oh, hey. Um. Yeah. Just to just to um add to the conversation sure. i don't generally discuss my my political views but um my wife and i are, are going to be voting today and it's her first time voting she is from mexico okay so um she's excited to be able to have a voice oh. uh so to say. When did she become so, a citizen? When did she become a citizen? A couple months ago. Isn't that uh, cool? So did you go through the naturalization thing like downtown? Yeah. Oh, isn't that yep. cool? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, it was in Milwaukee. Right at the federal building downtown. Yeah, in downtown Milwaukee. Yeah. Ex- exactly. And right after that, her and um, her son got uh, passports. 
oh, cool. and registered to vote. And my son is in um, Atlanta, Georgia, and he voted by mail. Oh, cool. Uh, it, absentee absentee um, ballot. When I worked for the U.S. Attorney's Office, you know, they, they do those naturalizations once every month or two. And uh-huh. I always made a point a couple times a year of going down and watching them. It was just it was so cool and so life affirming, you know, watching people who've, you know, gone through all you have to do to become citizens and how excited they were when they became citizens. Oh. Yeah, it was cool. Okay, so who are you voting for today? Well, we're going to we're going to go blue. Okay. Um we um, you know, when you're talking about Walker and and how you should, you know, you, I I just don't, you know, it's hard to say. When you talk about you shouldn't vote because of Trump, um, but I just don't think Trump is where we should be. And by going Democrat, it just, we feel that that is a stepping stone to get to a more Democratic Party and to... Hmm. Well, okay, well, th- thanks to call, Brian. I'm sorry, I don't, I, mean, I don't mean to cut you short. I'm kind of, I'm sort of going along in the segment. I guess what my, my comment would be, I, I, I don't understand... Legitimately, I mean, I, if people are upset with President Trump, I believe me, I, I, I get that. I mean, I, I, if people don't like the tweets or whatever, I, I get all that. What I don't understand, though, is saying, okay, I want to send a message to President Trump, so I'm going to vote against a governor in a state if I think the governor's doing a good job, if I think things are going well, that's the, that's the disconnect that I, I don't understand here. I want to, what, what message does does it send to Donald Trump if you vote against the, what you would think if you think that Walker, for example, would be the superior candidate? Why vote against him? That, that's that's what I don't get. But I understand people get to decide what they want to do and they get to decide to vote however they want, and we'll know the results. Two forty nine, Jeff Wagner.